Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to challenge, inspire, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is another installment of this series we're doing on conversations about faith and daily life. I sit down with longtime Bethany member Julie Miller, who is just so wise and thoughtful and intentional. And I talk with her about her work as a counselor. She uh, counsels people, as you'll hear about, in a variety of different life stages. And she has some incredible insights about how her work really is an expression of her faith, a way that she lives out her faith on a daily basis. Again, I'm recording this series one so that you'll get excited about listening to episodes and learning more about members of Bethany Lutheran Church, where I know many of you attend. But also, more than anything else, I hope hearing people like Julie tell her story empowers you to see whatever you're doing each day as an expression of your faith, as a way that you are living it out. You don't just have to work at a church to be living out your faith each and every day. And Julie does a great job of helping us understand that. She used to work at churches and now works in a more clinical setting. And yet she has some great insights about how faith is still so much a part of the work that she does each and every day. Special thanks to Julie for taking the time uh, to be a part of this recording uh, and for all the additional conversations. She's just an amazing individual and I am privileged to know her and privileged to share this talk that I had with her now with all of you. So I hope you enjoy it. As always, thanks for listening. Tell your family, tell your friends. We want to help everyone live out their faith each and every day. That's what this podcast is all about. But here we go, an interview with Julie Miller about her faith and daily life. everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. I am sitting down with Julie Miller. At this point in time, we are in the same room. It's really exciting to do these things in person. And Julie's here to talk to us about her career, about how faith overlaps with this. It's one of those faith in daily life conversations that we've been having on the podcast lately. Hey, Julie, welcome. Hi, Nate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, Julie, you are a counselor. And I want you to just tell us a little bit about kind of the specifics, because counseling is a very, very broad term. Mm -hmm. And just tell us a little bit about the type of counseling you're currently working with and engaged in. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to be part of your podcast, and I think this is an important thing to talk about. I think that um, vocation is just an essential part of being a a faithful person and understanding your vocation Mm. is an essential part of that. So um, I... I'm a counselor. I work primarily with moms um, and maternal mental health is kind of the field I'm in right now. However, my um, internship and another huge part of what I do is uh, working with children and adolescents with neurobehavioral disorders. So children ages like three to even all the way up to like 23 and their parents and families and understanding how ADD or autism spectrum or OCD might um, play out in their life and their families and how to kind of work through that. And then with moms, I work with moms five years before they become a mom and five years after they become a mom, kind of that whole um, experience of uh, struggles with fertility, um, Mm. perinatal loss, uh, postpartum depression or anxiety, and just that kind of shift in role from perhaps if you've been out in the working world and now you're staying home or even just you were home before, but you didn't have children, now you do have children and your life and your roles have really changed a lot. So... Those are kind of the primary groups I work with, but I find that I have people who come into my office with a number of different issues outside of that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And have you, for your entire professional career, been working with this particular um, focus on counseling? Or has that kind of changed and evolved over the years? Yeah, that's definitely changed and evolved. I think when I was, um, when I got out of college, my very first job was working as a children, youth and family minister um, at a Lutheran church. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole piece of the story. I don't think you know that ties into Bethany directly, but we'll get to that later. But I was a a children, youth and family minister at um, Holy Love Lutheran Church for eight years. Sure. And then for four years after that, I was at Joy Lutheran Church in Parker as a children, youth, and family minister. And then I had just a really awesome kind of discernment process that happened um, that led me to more specifically focus on counseling as a career, a licensed professional counselor career. Whereas I think counseling um, with a small C was kind of always part of my my job description in ministry. Um, I realized I really wanted it to be a bigger part of it. So. Absolutely. Well, that's fascinating. And so as you kind of think about how your career has evolved, right? So children, youth and family minister, where I'm sure you did a lot of counseling, like you said, of young people and helping them make good decisions and working with them. And then this has now evolved into a really professional, specific uh, focus on, and you, right, like you probably had to do a counseling license type of thing. Yeah, I went back to school. I got my master's and oh. did licensure process and all of that. Yeah. And so now it's like official mental health counseling. Um, you know, you've got all the letters after your name and all that good stuff. But what I'm wondering about, as you think about where you're at in your career now, can you kind of like trace it back, like thinking back to when you were younger and you thought about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Are you, do you see ways that that like desire to help other people, to counsel other people, kind of was planted in you many oh, years absolutely. ago? Absolutely. Do you have any good stories? Yeah. Well, we're sitting here in the library at Bethany Lutheran Yes, Church. we are. It used to be across the hall. Where oh, I didn't like know that. offices okay. and classrooms and stuff now. But yeah, I remember sitting in there at, I don't know if it was exactly this table, but a table like it when I was in middle school. And uh, my youth minister, it was Chris, Kristen Delp at the time, or Kristen Peterson, and she became Kristen Delp, was our youth minister. And we were all kind of getting different jobs. We were on the mission trip leadership team, and we were all getting different kind of positions or roles. And at the time, I didn't really understand, but she asked me to be like the, uh, for better lack of a better word, kind of the cheerleader, the encourager, the exhortation kind of person, the person oh. who uh, encouraged people and talked to people and listened to people and identified people who were feeling sad or down or left out and just kind of lifted them up. And at the time, she said something about a spiritual gift of like exhortation, and that I had absolutely no idea what that meant <laughs> and didn't really like the way it sounded, but... Uh, that is definitely maybe the first time I can recall um, kind of being tapped to the, do that kind of work. And then I was a peer counselor in school, and uh, Pastor Wayne Weisenbuehler pulled me aside one day and told me he thought that someday I'd be shepherding people. Wow. Um, and again, I thought he was trying to get me to go to seminary and be a pastor, and I was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> but then uh, as years went on, I, uh, I was a, counsel- a summer camp counselor, which is different yes. than being a counselor now, but a summer camp counselor at Rainbow Trail. Really loved that. Really loved working with people. And um, that led me to ministry um, as a youth minister. And that led me directly to my, my job as a counselor. So I think when I look back, it's very easy for me to see the steps that yeah. led me and I just I just hit on like the highlights right but in between there's all these other little steps that really led me 
straight to where I am today. And I think one of the greatest joys is the day when you wake up and you're like, oh, I am doing what God called me to do and what God created Mm. me to do and what God gifted me to do. And it fits like it just it fits. And when it fits and you feel like what you're giving to the world is exactly what God created you to Mm -hmm. to give to the world. It just it feels really good. That's it's really exciting. And it's super cool to look back and see how I got here and who was involved in that and the ways that God used different places and people in my life to just nudge me closer and closer to this to this time. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for Bethany and the role that it's played yeah. in, in my career. No, that's amazing. I love I love hearing people's stories about this too, right? Like, And the way that we, it probably didn't make as much logical sense in the day-to-day moments as you lived through it, I'm sure. But I'd love when we are able to look back and you can kind of see how the dots connect through it, right? Like you just did a great job of that, of kind of picking up all these little pieces that probably didn't even seem like dramatic moments at the time. You know, like when when Wayne pulled you aside and said that you should you're going to be shepherding people. Like I'm sure that felt special, but I'm also guessing you probably didn't really think about it that much a week or two later or after no. the fact. But now you kind of no. look back and yeah. see it all. Yeah, definitely. You look back and see it. I, uh, another one I remember. My mom told me one day in the car that she thought I would end up being an advocate, and I didn't know again what that meant. <laughs> all these but, big words. <laughs> but she, you know, she said you're gonna ha- you're gonna be a voice for somebody who doesn't isn't easily heard. Or doesn't have a voice and and so I remember that too but um, it is really cool to look back and see that it's also funny to look back and to see to remember what I was thinking throughout all that time oh please tell of, us <laughs> of what, what I, where I thought I was going yeah, and what yeah. I thought I was gonna do and what I would be when I grew up and all of those things like I I mean it, it, it just was not I was th- I was thinking and heading in a direction that was very different than where I've ended up but that direction would not have been satisfying or or fun or enjoyable, it would not have been a good use of my gifts. And this so this really is. And so I'm so grateful that I got all of those kind of nudges along the way. And when I thought I was being misdirected or misguided, I was really actually being led in the correct direction. I <laughs> Redirected, just, right, right. Yeah, I just wasn't really seeing it in, in the moment, in the time. Can so. you tell us about some of those stumbles or uh, not right paths? Um, well, yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, they're not, they just weren't quite right for me, but sure. there was, I mean, there was a time where I was, <laughs> there was a time where I was going to join the Navy or the Air Force. Um, I think that was middle school, high school. There was a time where I was going to be a nurse, mm-hmm. um, go into nursing. Um, another time I was going to go into teaching. Um, I think I really had a pull towards helping people and mm-hmm. healing. Um, but just none of those were really, like, I'm really not into blood and bodily fluids <laughs> and I'm really not into like teaching and educating and like uh-huh. you know I love reading books but I don't want to teach other people how to read books or, uh-huh. so you know all of these things that were kind of just not quite the right fit but that was what made the most sense to me um, and I think I think one of the things that was lacking in my childhood and my young adulthood which I wish that I'd had and I'd love to find a way to help provide to other young people is that really more direct conversation about vocation, Hmm. about what are your gifts? How are you really gifted? Not what do you like to do? What are your talents? But like how, what really feeds your soul and, and not just what kind of job do you want to have or what kind of career do you want to have? Cause I felt like I got a lot of those conversations, but really what is your giftedness and what are you called to in this world? And uh, because I think God starts revealing that really early on, but we don't really start looking for or trying to understand it until we, maybe either have a midlife crisis or we kind of find ourselves in the midst of it. 
So uh, I think that I got a lot of nudges, Mm -hmm. but I would have loved someone to just really, and maybe they thought they were sitting me down and really telling me, and I just wasn't listening. Maybe I needed like to be shook or something. I don't know. Can you tell us more about, um, I mean, you've kind of touched on it peripherally, but I'd love to hear more specifics about how you, how you sense this yourself in that you're right. Like your true giftedness, what God has gifted you with in terms of traits and abilities is directly informing the work that you do with moms, with young people in the counseling profession. Does that question make sense? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give you a facial expression that says, no, I don't understand what you mean. So you're talking about how, right, like the ways that you feel, you know, you wake up every morning and you feel great. Like th- this is what God has prepared you for. Mm-hmm. That's what you were talking about. Yes. And so how then, um, like just help us understand that more specifically. What is it that you oh, uniquely okay. can do oh, sure. that you feel like you get to do on a daily sure. basis? Okay, I understand. Yeah, so what is the giftedness that, that yeah, God yeah. gave me? Okay, well, um, I think... There's, there's knowing your giftedness and there's, there's also knowing your non-giftedness. <laughs> I don't yes, know you, absolutely. Your ungiftedness. Um, <laughs> I think knowing both of those is important and it took me a long time to, to clarify those. But I'll start with my the gifts that God has given me, which I'm super grateful for. Um, and I'm, I'm cringing a little bit because this gets, this gets kind of woo-woo. And I think sometimes for a highly intellectual Lutherans, say like... <laughs> You know, my husband or my in-laws, like, this stuff sounds kind of woo-woo, but this is just, the, this is just my truth, Please, so this is the way I us. feel, yeah, yeah. like, God has gifted me, but, like, God has really given me a, a gift for understanding and feeling people's energy and their emotions and their feelings, um, so I can sit with someone that I haven't known for long or that I've just met recently and really... Um, I'm able to tune into what they feel, mm-hmm. and I can read them really well and so uh, sometimes I want to say it's just like I read body language really well or I listen very well but I think there's so much more to it I think it's I'm able to kind of absorb the energy and the spirit of another person and interpret it or understand it Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes even feel it Um, sometimes I can even feel within me what it is that another person is feeling. Yeah. So again, I know that starts to sound a little woo-woo, but it's my real experience, and um, it's helped me to be an excellent counselor um, and to be able to not just listen to what people are saying, but also to be able to hear their heart and their hurt um, that they're not able to as easily put into words and, and then help guide them towards healing. Absolutely. Well, and I was just going to say that. Like, it's... It's such a healing experience when you encounter someone who can actually see and understand your emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're going through. Because it's often so hard. I mean, I just see this with my kids all the time. It's so hard for them to articulate why they're angry or why they're upset. Mm -hmm. And so what my wife and I have found is like, if we can just meet them with compassion, like you're feeling frustrated right now. Mm -hmm. You're feeling sad right now. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling sad because you can't figure Mm -hmm. out how to put the puzzle together or whatever it is mm-hmm. and that like as you're saying like it can be literally healing like that can usually stop the tears because they're finally feeling like oh my gosh someone sees me someone understands absolutely all yeah. of these emotions that I could that they can't articulate and yeah. I, I mean I personally have trouble articulating my own emotions a lot of the time I've learned that because I'm a highly intellectual Lutheran um, <laughs> <laughs> who likes to think about things we, we, need, we need folks <laughs> like that too Pastor <laughs> No, but I'm sure that that's just an amazing gift that you're able to then yeah. give and, and to back it up, right, with the intellectual piece and all of the 
critical theory about how to care for people and yeah. move them to places of health and give them strategies. It all works together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, to, to pair that also with uh, a, the gift for exhortation, which I guess apparently means encouraging, <laughs> supporting. It's not exorcism. <laughs> it's not exorcism. <laughs> exhortation. E-X-H-O-R-T-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, it's so funny. That, that word comes to me all the time, but it's just that it's that cheering people on, that encouraging people that's. Um, mm. so to be able to know someone or feel someone's pain and, and see their hurt and know where they are, but then also to be able to encourage them, to cheer them on and, um, to help them connect with their own sense of hope and purpose and meaning. And, um, yeah. that, that is, that is another gift that I'm just super grateful that God has given me. And then, um, I think the other gift is just an, the, in the counseling where they call, they call it unconditional positive regard. I think in the church, we just call it unconditional love, mm-hmm. right? That you, I'm just, God has given me the ability to just, to love people where they're at and who they are and um, to be able to stand in a, a, a place of not judging folks for the, the mistakes they've made or the choices they've made or the struggles that they're facing, but to just really love them in those shortcomings and in that that place where they feel shame, um, to right. not add to that, but to be able to be with them and to even then see them and know them in their shameful mm-hmm. experiences, I think is really powerful and healing too. So I thank God for that as well. well That's I a just, gift. I think about uh, going back to the healing too, just how powerful and important that, that has got to be for you know, probably some of the kids that you're working with, like you said, if they've they've got ADD or something like that, they probably have a lot of stigmatization in their schools, right? Like they're they're the ones who can't sit still. Like I, I having experienced this growing up, right? Like and and so they get into more trouble and start to feel like the bad kid, and so to step into your office and then feel like now this person loves and appreciates me just as I am and is helping me better understand what I'm going through. Like that alone has got to be so healing for those individuals just to have someone who gives them hope and someone who gives them love because you don't get that in a lot of other places. Yeah, and, and I think to be able to know, for those kids to know I am not my diagnosis, Right. that this is something I struggle with, this is not who I am, mm. is super important. And I think that kind of ties into the piece of just, you know, God being able to help me see my clients as his, his children, his mm. child, you know, that each of them is a child of God. Um, loved and named and claimed whether they say that and name that for themselves or not it's really a gift that God has given me to be able to see them as that first and foremost and not this like set of problems that came in or this set of symptoms or this specific diagnosis but really first and foremost as a child of God and that's that's a gift too well and I love what yeah thank you for for making that point and and this is good because it's a nice segue into kind of where I want to go with the conversation next too as you reported, right, you started as a youth and family minister in congregational setting. And so I'm sure... Here, I didn't mention that part. Here? I was an intern. <laughs> no way. I was an intern at Bethany um, when Kirsten left her position. I was like the in-between before, I think Tony Princeton was the one we came in. So I was here for a summer as an intern, and then I came back like as another like an intern helper for a summer too. So my first youth ministry experience was here for three months. As Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. I, it's kind of funny because I, I thought you knew all those pieces. No, before, no. <laughs> no one tells this, me anything. But... <laughs> so. Yeah. So that was my first, my very first ministry opportunity was here. 
Super cool. Well, yeah. and, and in a ministry opportunity, right? Like as a youth and family minister in all these different settings, uh, it's expected that you'll bring up the God piece, that right. you'll bring up the faith piece, that you'll pray with these people. Um, and yet now as you moved into this, this more like cl clinical, is that the right word we want to use for it setting? Um, I'm sure that that's frowned upon, that you're kind of supposed to kind of keep these pieces separate unless, of course, the client wants to go there. So how has that been for you in making that shift? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that first. Well, I'm smiling. You can't hear that on a podcast, but I'm smiling because um, there's a, some really great stories there too, but uh, just how, uh, what it was like to go from a ministry setting to the graduate academic setting and, and having to kind of re-understand who I was and how all that worked. But for the sake of this podcast and where we're at and what we're talking about now, I think I would skip through all of that <laughs> to the end piece, which is where I'm at now when a client walks in the door. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I, that um, we were taught in school, which I'm super grateful for, is just really um, in, in the very initial conversations with someone to own who you are as a counselor mm. and the different ways that you identify um, it's kind of like a like a cultural wheel. So I would you know talk about the fact that I'm um, I identify as a cisgender, heterosexual, white mm -hmm. female from Northern European descent, and that English is my first language. And I was born and raised in a middle class family, and I have a secondary or a graduate school education um, that I'm you know fully able bodied, and that I identify as a a Christian, but sp more specifically as a Lutheran and more specifically as an ELCA Lutheran. And yeah. what does that mean to me? And, and so I would kind of, I wouldn't do it quite that quickly, but I would share kind of my cultural identification with a client as well as things like pronouns, she, her, hers. Um, and then I would really open the door to my client and say, tell me a little bit about how you identify. How do you show up in the world? Because I can make assumptions about you and the way I look at you, the way I see you, but I really want to know what is important mm -hmm, to you mm -hmm. and how you show up. And um, I get a lot of different answers there mm -hmm. um, when I open the floor then to, the, to my client, my new client, especially if it's a, ch a child or a teenager or a young person. I've never had anybody upset that I asked that or you know irritated that I asked that, but it's always interesting to, to me to see what piece people respond to and I would say 90% of the time, one of the first things somebody responds to is the spirituality or religion Interesting. piece. And um, sometimes it's someone, I'll, I'll have clients who are very deeply spiritual and religious and they want to include that in their counseling mm -hmm. experience. Um, most of the time I have folks who come in and who say, you know, I was raised uh, Catholic or Baptist or Lutheran and I just really haven't been practicing but like I miss that and I feel like oh, I wow. wish I could pray or I, I feel like that could be part of what's going on or what I'm struggling with so they'll kind of say well yeah I mean I used to but I don't really anymore but I want to which is always um, kind of a cool thing to then and then yeah. I always say you know so do you, is that something you'd want to include or is that something that you want to explore more or further um, and, and leave that up to them because my job as a counselor obviously is to follow their lead and to um, walk with them where they want to go, not where I think they should go. So it's not an evangelism opportunity no, no, right. in any way, shape, or form that it's not the kind of counselor I am. <laughs> uh, there are some of those, but that is not who I am. And, and, uh, but I also do not miss an opportunity to um, 
you know, to engage in those conversations with folks if that's what they want to talk about. And I try to work through their lens. So if they've got more of a Baptist language or more of a Catholic yeah, language, yeah. or even, you know, I've worked with folks from the Jewish faith. Um, I have a woman I'm working with now who identifies as Hindu. And so sometimes I don't know as much as I could or should, but I try to work with them through that because I believe truly God is at work in the hearts of all of these people who come into my office, mm -hmm. whether they're aware of that or not, or whatever language they use to talk about that or not. Um, I want to be with them where they're at. Yeah. That was no, a long, no, that was, no, but it's statement. amazing. No. <laughs> Did you follow me there? Absolutely. Nate? I got okay, you. Good. <laughs> That's incredible. And, and so, I mean, tell us a little bit more, too, just within all of that. I mean, that's such a beautiful picture that you've kind of painted. And I love that last piece that you were saying about, under, like, you taking this approach that God is working on in the hearts of all of these people, whether they recognize it or not, but just kind of honoring that holiness within them and also maybe drawing it out mm -hmm. even in non-direct ways, right? Sure. Like, I'm sure if they said, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want anything to do with the religion stuff, it doesn't mean that you don't still have this belief in the back of your mind that God is still working in their life, even yeah. if they're completely opposed to that. So as you think about what it means to call yourself a Christian and how, you know, the implications for how then you will carry yourself in the world, do you find those beliefs about how you should be carrying yourself in the world playing out in the work that you do? I... I'm always grateful for the opportunity to speak words of grace and hope and forgiveness into the lives of my clients. And for some clients, they've heard those words and they didn't believe them. For some clients, they've never heard those words. Um, and for some, they know that they've been you know, given grace and forgiveness outside of themselves, but they are not able to give it to themselves or internalize it or believe it. So. I think a huge way that I live out my faith in the in the office with a client is um, helping people to discover that they are truly deeply loved mm. for who they are and that they are enough in that moment that they they are not lacking in any way shape or form that their actions or inactions whatever it is that has brought them so much hurt and pain or shame or guilt um, don't define who they are and that those are sins and mistakes and choices that can be washed away with love and grace and that they can start fresh and start new um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like scripture and, and and words that come to me in those moments and I sometimes I use them and sometimes I don't but this idea of like always being made new and that you're a new creation in Christ the old is gone and the new has come and um, that God's grace is sufficient, like, and mm. who we are is is perfect. Who God created us to be is perfect. Um, so I feel like that is that is a huge gift. And then I also feel like the opportunity to help, um, whether it's a mom or a young person or even like a struggling dad, helping them just remember who they are mm. um, and peel back all of the shoulds and the. Um, could haves and and the um, people they're trying to impress and all of the like masks or mm -hmm. labels they try to wear like just peeling all of that back and then like really identifying with who it is that God created them to be yeah as a person um, and that sense or feeling of of being again being enough 
um, and being made perfect in God's image. Um, I'm working with uh, with someone right now on um, Imago Dei. Like, what does it mean that you are made in God's image, and and can you honor that? Because there's a lot of self hatred there. So, yeah. I mean, what a what a holy calling, or what a what a beautiful opportunity it is to to be in that moment with someone and help them remember and um, hear those words that I know that I know they come from God. I know they come from Jesus. They're not mine, um, but to help people feel that and hear that and then you know inevitably there's like a, a long pause where the talking stops or you know tears well up or um there's just like a big exhale and you you see transformation you see it you're like your client's starting to hear it they're starting to see it they're starting to believe it they're starting to even maybe they don't see it or hear it or believe it. maybe they're just making room for the possibility that there could be some truth right yeah or they come back after a session and they're like you know i talked to my mom about what you said and here's what she said or i talked to my partner or yeah you know i was listening to the radio and i heard and all of a sudden like things just start to shift and change and move um that all feels like that all feels like ministry that all feels like super holy ground and um it's you know they're my clients are very vulnerable with me and I, I take that seriously and I, um, you know, I don't take my shoes off for my sessions because I'd just be super weird. But uh, I think of that <laughs> when I walk into my counseling office, like taking off your shoes when you're on holy ground. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Thanks for all that. That's beautiful. And I mean, it's just such a great reminder. I, I love the way you're talking about it as just like helping people remember these truths. I feel like that's so often what what my job is too. It's just like trying, you know, I don't say anything that original in any of my sermons, but maybe it's something that you've forgotten that we're reminding, mm-hmm. you know, the congregation of on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And, the, and yeah, like there's so many other voices out there in our world that pull us away from that mm-hmm. core true message. And so what beautiful work that you get to do of just helping people come back to this reminder of what's always been true but that they've just lost sight of for one reason or another. Well, wow. Uh, you're amazing. Thank you, Julie, for all the work that you do, all the people that. you help, and just like the incredible um, wisdom that you've shared with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Anything to add as we close out? Um, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about the work that I do, and um, thank you for the way that you're leading our congregation. Oh, you're kind. You're kind. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay in peace. Bye-bye.